side In the darkness is the light Out of the shadows of my life Welcome once more to the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And we are talking about uh, Season 2 episode here, Blues, right? Yep. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so uh, now last time off mic, you guys mentioned to me how this apparently was done for Disney's Black History Month, this episode? Yes. Uh, I found an old new- newspaper clipping a while back through the Google search that said this was done for Black History Month. Um, I don't know if it was the writers, like the writers knew going into it that it would be airing during Black History Month or they just decided to air the episode during Black History Month. But yes, it did air in February. Okay. Well, um, well, you mentioned the writer. This was uh, written by Bruce Zimmerman, who previously did Sacrifice – and would go on to produce all of season three and wrote uh, about a third of the episodes from season three. So, and he has transplant coming up as well. Um, though I can't really see any through line for that, but uh, yeah, what's this one about? So the episode is titled blues because Molly is going to play at this club that used to be this huge blues venue only the owner is very adamant that we don't play the blues here anymore, Miss Phillips. Why don't you just take your business elsewhere? Because <laughs> Molly is hit with all this inspiration to start singing blues music. Only that inspiration, dun dun dun, has a paranormal to it. Yes, and what is our paranormal mystery of the week? Channeling. Yeah, and that's what they call it. And uh, they introduce this with a really odd little opening sequence there with the family around the TV. And Fiona uses old uh, rabbit ears televisions as a metaphor for channeling spirits. And it amuses me because she talks about rabbit ear antenna on a TV. Like, there's this thing like, man, can you believe the past was so antiquated? (laughs) And watching that, I just think, like, the kids today would probably be saying that about VHS, and that makes me feel old. <laughs> Speaking of VHS, this is the first episode of So Weird that I actually recorded on VHS because it came on right after Disney aired uh, Fly Away Home, which is one of my mom's favorite shows or movies. I still have the VHS. You still have the tape? Yeah. Oh, that's so crazy. Do, do you have like a, a So Weird VHS collection somewhere? I did. Once they started airing the show, only at like 2 in the morning, I would get up because I didn't know how to set the VCR to record automatically to record the show and then go back to bed. And when my parents caught me, they were pissed. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. You should try and uh, digitalize those so you can upload like the commercials and the bumpers and stuff to the internet. I live for that kind of stuff. You know, when I find an old VHS tape, when I find an old tape that's recorded off of TV, like usually the movie and the TV shows, not in this example, but usually they've been released on DVD or something. And for me, it's about the old commercials and station IDs and stuff like that. That's the stuff that I love to see. (laughs) Yeah. Channeling and uh, fee in order to bolster her claim of this mentions this woman who channeled a person from Lumeria. (laughs) Which is just a whole other kettle of fish. <laughs> is that a real story? Yeah, there is. Um, 
uh, Lumeria is like Atlantis or um, another one's Mu, M-U, uh, were these supposed lost civilizations and continents that people have over the years believed actually existed. Hmm, I've never heard of it. Yep. So what's everybody's thoughts on this episode? For me to say, because since I had this episode on tape for a long time, I used to watch it over and over and over again to get my So Weird fix. Can't watch it anymore. I'm so sick of it. This episode, to me, at least when I was younger, is very confusing. Even now, it's a little confusing, but I pretty much understand the plot now. But um, it's just not really enjoyable to me. Um, the channeling, uh, I don't know. It's it's not much for me. I don't really like the song that they play also. I think it's cool to hear like Ned and to see uh, Ned, Carrie, and Molly perform together. They should do that more. Um, but other than that, no, I don't know. I just don't really like it much. Hmm. I kind of like this one. I mean, I like how throughout the episode you kind of hear the song coming together. You know, first you hear Ned playing a little bit, or Carrie, he's playing, like, the, the beat, and then you hear Ned and everything. It's kind of cool how it all comes together in the end. But um, I don't know. It's not one that stands out for me. Uh, it's not one that I saw very much when I was younger. So maybe that's part of that, too. Yeah, I don't remember seeing this one when it was new. Oh, what was that? Out of bed, especially in that flashback scene where they go into the backstory about where the song came from. Mm-hmm. I don't know if that's, that's creepy, but it is uh, one of the more intense epi- moments in what's otherwise a uh, sort of lighthearted episode. You know, I, I got to say, I do kind of like this one. Um, it's not, you know, a top tier, so weird. It's a pretty inconsequential episode in a lot of ways, but I think all the family, all the family members, all the main characters get, little moments to themselves and it's one that I can just kind of sit back and watch it and have a decent time with. It's not like one of the great episodes. It's not a terrible episode, but it is an enjoyable mid tier. So weird episode for me. Okay. Well, I'm glad that, the, <laughs> that's, that concludes the episode of this uh, podcast. <laughs> so, I, have to, I have to say my notes for this episode are like a one and a half pages long when they're usually like three pages long. So, <laughs> um, well, I do like the uh, southern settings. One set in Mississippi, which is pretty cool. Yeah, which is actually uh, where I think Bo Diddley is from Mississippi, so that's appropriate. And Wait, I guess I've, we got, should... I've got his Wikipedia page uh, right here. Uh, <laughs> uh, yes, <laughs> okay. he was born in Macomb, Mississippi. Yeah, and he's the the big guest star for this episode, of course, Bo Diddley, the legendary blues and R&B singer, um, which is an interesting person to get to guest star on your kid's show in the year 2000, because I don't... What are the odds of the so weird target audience really knowing who Bo Diddley was? But... <laughs> yeah, I, I didn't know who he was back then. Well, what was who that, Kat? You, you still don't know who he is? <laughs> no. Um... Yeah, I don't know who he is. <laughs> uh, well, here I'll just read you. The, I'll just read you the first paragraph off his Wikipedia article. Here, Bo Diddley was an American R&B singer, guitarist, songwriter, and music producer who played a key role in the transition from the blues to rock and roll style, and influenced artists including Elvis Presley, Buddy Holly, The Beatles, The Rolling Stones, The Yardboard, Yardbirds, Eric Clapton, The Who, Jimi Hendrix, and Parliament Funkadelic. <laughs> 
Whoa. There you go. That is that is the capsule version of his life. <laughs> yeah, he's 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 big time, y'all. Um, I went to D.C. recently, and I went to the National Museum of African American History, and I didn't realize it at the time, but I saw a hat of his at the museum, and it's the same hat that he wears in this episode. Wow, so, that's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah, I think he wore that hat a lot. It's like his trademark. Yeah. Yeah. Well. Uh, you know, I grew up in a household where, well, one of my dad's favorite movies is the Blues Brothers, and um, he's not, Bo Diddley's not in that film. Uh, I don't think he is, but I just, so I just grew up around blues music hearing it, so it was, I wasn't, like, very familiar with who he was, but I definitely knew the name, and yes, he he's in the sequel to the Blues Brothers. He's not in the original, but he is in the oh. second one. Um, <laughs> Yeah, um, so, but it is, like I said, it is weird that they would get, of all the people they could have gotten as a guest star, that it would be this blues man who's been around since the 30s, and like I said, I, I don't think the Dis the kids watching Disney Channel in the late 90s really knew who Bo Diddley was, but it is cool, though. Um, though the director for this episode, Rick Stevenson, uh, done a lot of Canadian television, um, and he's done a couple of movies, uh, and his uh, one of his films is Magic in the Water, which is a kids movie from 1995 that I vaguely remember. Something, something about like a, a sea monster. Mark Harmon's in it. That's one I haven't seen in a long time. Um, but you know, so getting back to the southern setting, uh, some great Ned moments in this. When they first get to the house they're staying at, and he goes on this little conversation about southern soul food, talking about hush, hush puppies. Puppy. Yeah. And corn pone. And what is the weird thing he mentions that nobody has heard of? Mock cooter. Succotash. Okay, well, succotash I know. <laughs> succotash is corn and lima beans. But, yeah, mock cooter? Can we yeah. say that on this show? <laughs> <laughs> it does sound kind of weird, doesn't it? It's a stew, apparently. I can't really find very much on it, uh, just looking it up in the... Uh, like on Wikipedia. Um, are, are we entirely certain they didn't make this up? <laughs> no, they didn't. There's something in, uh, it's like, yeah, Daily Mail has an article on it. I don't know. It's Daily yeah, Mail a ta tabloid. Yeah, Daily Mail is a, a really shitty British tabloid, but uh, I'm... <laughs> well, I think the mock means that uh, it's whatever cooter stew is, it's the mock version of that, right? <laughs> uh, I have no idea. I've never, you know, I, I, I know everything else that um, he mentions there, you know, as somebody who has lived in the South most of his life, I'm familiar with some of these things. But, um, but I do just <laughs> like, I like that moment where Ned is, just gets this really specific moment to himself and the kids are kind of like, what in the world are you talking about? <laughs> yeah. I like that moment where Jack's like, Succotash is a blues musician. <laughs> yeah, well, and I gotta tell you, uh, out of the characters, Jack is kind of the one who gets the least to do in this episode. But there's lots of stuff with Molly and Fee and uh, Carrie and Ned. And all that's fun to see, especially since Ned and Irene haven't been in the last two episodes. It's nice to see them back. And you do get, you know, something that's neat about this episode? You get to hear Fiona sing. Yeah. And uh, that's kind of neat. I mean, Kara doesn't have, like, a great voice, but, you know, sort of neat. And it's, 
unique because it's the only time we hear her sing, unlike other Disney shows where the main female protagonist sings randomly throughout the show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. The three. Oh. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know, we, we hear her play the guitar a little bit in um, the season two premiere, but this is the only time we hear her sing. And I guess Jack really inherited the singing jeans from her mom. But, you know, her voice isn't bad, I think, all things considered. And it's neat. It is a little neat to hear her do that. Yeah. I like it. And I do like the she moment. Tries. Yeah. I do like the moment uh, in the house where everybody, Ned is playing the harmonica and everybody just sort of starts singing along. Like they have this little jam moment. Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a neat moment on one hand because you can see that everybody is a little freaked out by this feeling coming over them out of nowhere. Uh, but it is sort of neat to just see everybody jamming together like that. It's kind of fun. She is like visibly freaked out and Jack's just next to her going like, wow, you guys are raw. <laughs> yeah, it's so funny to yes. see their different faces. Yes, yeah, some good face acting from uh, Mackenzie Phillips there. <laughs> um, yeah, and I guess we should mention like the central conceit of the episode is that um, yeah, there was a. Everybody keeps getting these bits and pieces of the song, and we discover later that this was written by a blues man who was murdered in the 30s and had his music stolen by somebody else, who then recorded his music with different lyrics under a different name. And so there's some sort of injustice that's being uh, being corrected here, and you know, and we later discover that the woman who owns the jazz club or blues club. Uh, was is the daughter of the man who stole Addison? What was it? Addison Jefferson? Foster. Addison, Addison Foster. My memory is not too hot today. Yeah, Addison Foster was the man that was murdered, and um, you know, and it's interesting that they went with the channeling element instead of just making it kind of a straight up haunting, because uh, it acts more like a haunting than a um, weird psychic communication from beyond. Well, I think it makes more sense with the channeling, the way that they're all just picking up the music, even though they, they're they sure like they haven't heard it before from somewhere. Yeah, but there's even a moment where Carrie's guitar has been restrung yeah, at yeah. some point. So it, it doesn't really, it acts like a haunting to me, but I guess the writers said, oh, we've done Ghost once or twice already, so we need to approach this from a different angle. There's that other moment yeah. where the the record flies out of uh, Fiona's hand. Yeah. Okay. That's and, that's. Uh, <laughs> it, it it spells out. Well, it flies to the woman, um, Mrs. Clemens, and uh, on the floor, like the broken pieces spell out AF for yeah. Addison Foster. As fuck uh, is what it means now. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> um, one F bomb. <laughs> yeah, yeah put, we'll the, put that spot on the bingo sheet now but um no but yeah, th- that moment is really the only moment in this episode that i think is kind of cheesy but um i you know like i said i just kind of i like it when fiona's going around and sleuthing and they go to the record shop that's owned by bo diddley's character and we get some exposition there and i like that everybody's kind of involved in the mystery this week like it's not just fiona that's or jack it's the whole family is involved, and I like that element to it. And this is a low stake, a low stakes episode, but in a way that's sort of comfy to me. I don't know. Rewatching this today, I was kind of surprised how much I liked it because it didn't make a big impression on me the last time I saw it. But this time, it's 
like just fun to hang out with the Philip family for a half an hour doing stuff. Yeah, it's it's a very easy watch. I feel like. Yeah. I don't know. But uh, I don't think anybody else here likes this episode as much. <laughs> My biggest complaint was that there's not enough Jack. But I do love his line where he's talking about channeling and he's like, well, maybe you should try channeling your algebra homework. Einstein's out there somewhere. Yeah, <laughs> some some continuity there. Fiona doesn't like math. Uh, and it's funny that him and Ned are going to go fishing. So they're both wearing fishing gear. <laughs> Um, and hey, you know, Papa Bear comes back for this episode, sort of. And Clue. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, Clue is there too. Yeah, that's a neat way. You know, the, the show's done this before where they bring back previous characters through the chat, which is kind of a neat way to bring the characters back without having to bring the actors back. Yeah, so I, I guess we don't have too much to say about this one, but... Uh, <laughs> I like that we, we see Molly rehearsing for new math, so... We hear a little bit of that. Yeah. Um, and I guess we should mention, you know, the the central song here, which Kathy has already said that she does not like. <laughs> Late Night Blues. Now, I'm not saying this is a, a so weird classic song number. It is, you know, you can, it is, you're watching, okay, you're watching Lily White people sing black music. So there mm -hmm. is that disconnect there. Uh, but it's okay. It's not too bad. It's, it's probably like my least favorite uh, McKenzie song, but uh, it's not bad. It's catchy. I like the music. You know, doo doo. Like when they're playing that at the beginning, just the music. Wait, wait, wait sing that again, Emily. No. <laughs> <laughs> nah. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it, it is kind of weird how it ends with. It, it is a weird shot at the end, knowing that this is for Black History Month to like see them all these white people on stage <laughs> performing this song performing it was written by a black man a murdered black man yeah you know? <laughs> yeah the, that's the thing about the ending that kind of annoys me is that this whole episode was about someone stealing someone else's work and they didn't tell addison foster's family that they would be playing his song like before the show <laughs> <laughs> I mean, really? Yeah, you know, they're sure. they're doing this to honor <laughs> this woman's uh, father or grandfather. I can't remember which it was. I guess it was her father. But the, I guess the grandfather. It, the grandfather. And that is kind of a, a dick move, isn't it? Like, hey, your your grandfather's music was stolen, and we're stealing it again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, in their I'm, words, they were trying to, like, it's their way of making it right, is to actually perform their original music well-intentioned but <laughs> and they should have at least the original writer yeah, yeah that's true yeah that's true i hope she didn't have to buy tickets to the show <laughs> <laughs> at the very least they should have let her in for free yeah um <laughs> uh the yale's the name of the club by the way which is a really weird name for a club i don't know the yale brings collegiate experiences to mind for me not music <laughs> Um, yeah. And, you know, I, I feel like the whole Black History Month thing, the problem, if this episode was indeed written with that in mind, there's sort of this elephant in the room that I don't think Disney Channel really wanted to get into because it's sort of a heavy subject for a kid's show. But if you're going to do an episode about supernatural stuff and theme it with Black History Month and not, you know, acknowledge slavery at any point it's going to get a little awkward, which is maybe why this episode feels kind of insular in some ways. 
Yeah. I I just I feel like it was done in poor taste uh making this episode part of Black History Month. Um I mean they do mention slavery at the beginning, like talking about hush puppies very briefly. But uh I guess my issue is that, you know, Black History Month is supposed to be about a celebration of black culture and like historical figures and that sort of thing. And like I get the blues tie in and everything, but I mean this episode also features a black man stealing another black man's music <laughs> and murdering him. Like, I just kind of hope that Disney almost forced them to put this episode in Black History Month and that the writer wasn't thinking, oh, this is a good plot for Black History Month. Because yeah, there's just, some unfortunate connotations there, isn't there? Yeah, yeah. And it it's really like, just... Yeah. <laughs> and it just draws attention to how white the show normally is. Like, there's no people of color in the main cast. And I think, yeah. you know, when you think of primary So Weird characters, the only one that isn't white is Rebecca. And even she was only in one episode, you know, so. Yeah. So it heavily drew inspiration from the story about the blues musician who allegedly sold this soul for success. Yeah, there's a, about a dozen different blues musicians who are said to have sold their soul to the devil for uh, talent and success, yeah. Um, and I kind of wish maybe they had gone in that direction. Um, but uh, like I said, you know, if it was if I was in the So Weird writing room back in 1991 and they said, we got to do a Black History Episode Month, my immediate thought would be like, oh, well, they need to go, the Phillipses need to go to a haunted plantation house. But like I said, I can see Disney immediately that shooting That would have been so cool. Yeah, I mean, that would have been the natural thing to do. But I can immediately see Disney shooting that down and saying, like, no, 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 no. We can't get into the topic of slavery in a kid's show, which was probably for the best. <laughs> Let's face it. <laughs> yeah, because what you described reminds me of, like, season three of American Horror Story. Never seen that show, uh, but okay. <laughs> what? You know, when American Horror Story first started, I read about it and I thought, yeah, this just sounds like Ryan Murphy doing his usual shtick. And nothing I've heard about it in the last five or six years it's been on has made me, has changed my mind about that. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> well then. <laughs> well, I saw the first season only, but I did not enjoy it at all. And that's because I love horror stuff. So I was like, oh, a TV series you know current horror like that doesn't it's not going on much but yeah no nope yeah um but uh anyway this show uh, like i said you know <laughs> mid-tier episode but i do kind of enjoy it i because i just like seeing everybody hanging out and doing stuff together this episode um i guess there's a season three episode that there's a little similarity and it's the song what is it called it's not Muse. It's um the one where Annie goes into this club and then she suddenly gets inspiration to write music. That, Do you know what uh, I'm talking you about? Mean, are you talking about the one with the witch? The mom that has powers to steal. Like, yeah, the yeah. The, right, the um, witch episode. Rewind, yes. Rewind, yeah. Because I think it's not Molly. I think it's Annie that goes into the recording studio and suddenly can write this whole song. This little similarity. Mm -hmm. I see it. Well, you know, until you mentioned it just now, I completely forgotten about that episode, but okay. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Muse was what came to my brain because that was also written by Bruce Zimmerman. So, 
Um, yeah, I guess we, you know, does anybody else have anything they want to say? Everybody's been pretty quiet on this one. Just a little thing, but at the beginning, you know, Ned is like introducing them all to all this Southern cooking and he has to go out for some reason. And he says, Fee, could you start the corn cone? And I'm like, why do you think she'd be able to do that? She's never encountered that in her life. Um, and, you know, and Fiona does look super cute in this episode. You know, like I said, I just love to watch a show and see the weird 90s fashion. <laughs> so, yeah, so we want to go ahead and do the ratings for this? Or have we said everything we want to say about blues? Um, <laughs> I like the part where they're in the record store. Yeah. And the Bo Diddley character is like, he's acting really funny towards Fee, saying like, oh, do you want a bag? And he's like, sure. And he's like, ain't got one. Yeah, I'll give it to you for, if you give me 20 bucks. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because I know Ned, I'll give it to you for 20 bucks. <laughs> yeah, he really makes the most of it. He has maybe five minutes of screen time, but he makes the most of it. Mm-hmm. I like the lyrics of the song as he analyzes it. Like, it's really creepy, and I think it does make for a good ghost story. Well, and it sounds like an old blues number, lyrically anyway, even when you have you know, Mackenzie Phillips of the new mom and the pop is singing it. I wish we got a re- like a studio version of the original song. Yeah. So they, had, they had to record it so they could have that little clip in the episode. Yeah. That's never uh, come out or, you know, all the other leaks of the music we've had from the show, that's never been in there. Cause that one sounds good. I don't like how Molly sings it. I feel like it's not like her vocal range is not meant for it. Yeah, it's okay, except for, you know, the areas where she goes, I could do without that, but the rest of it is fine. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, I guess it's it's a time for ratings. Are we ready to rate this one? Yeah. All right, I I gave this one a a seven, which for, you know, like I said, I I enjoyed a lot, even though it is not an important episode or a super – important or high stakes episode, but I do just kind of enjoy spending time with these characters on this one. So I'm going to, going to give this one an approval. I'm going to give it a three, but I don't know. I just watch it and it just goes by and it goes by so quick for me. And I don't know, like I don't enjoy it. I think cause it's just so different. Like to me, it doesn't feel like a so weird episode, like the plot that they like murder and to me, it feels like Fee doesn't do much besides chats to someone. So, yeah. I mean, I guess you could take some of the supernatural elements out of here and the story wouldn't be changed too much. Like, you'd have to fi- have them find the song in some other way, but it does feel a little bit more like a regular murder mystery than a paranormal episode. Mm-hmm. I would give this one, like, a 6, 6.5. It seems like one of the most forgettable episodes of So Weird. Yeah. I guess I give this one a thumbs up and a thumbs down. I mean, I do like that all of like the musicians are involved in creating this song and they all kind of help the with investigating. Um, that's cool. But yeah, it, it is a little awkward for me to watch, especially at the end. And again, knowing that it was written with uh, written for Black History Month. I don't know. That gives it a thumbs down. You have the most baffling rating system, Emily. I, I, you know, I wish you would just like go to a, you know, a four star or a, you know, 
10 out of 10 rating, you know, instead of doing this, oh, one thumbs up, one thumbs down, weird split decision thing here. Hey, are you trying to get me to say something that will get people a star on the bingo chart? Because I ain't doing it. Okay, we, we need, we've mentioned it twice now. We've got to mention this amazing bingo chart that Kathy cooked up. <laughs> well. What, do I have to say it? Yes. <laughs> it was your idea. Yeah, well, this is from plugging this other podcast i think they're called planet weird podcast yeah are they devoted to disney channel originals is that the theme of that show yeah the disney channel original movies um and on their twitter they just created a bingo chart and um yeah just seemed really cool and i know like when i edit this um i always notice that we say some of the same things like in every episode (laughs) (laughs) so i was like oh man i have to make one and I know we have some listeners that, you know, listen to all our episodes. So I hope they can have fun with it. And I posted it on uh, Twitter and Facebook. Yeah, you can find that on our Twitter feed. And uh, I I just got a real kick out of that. I found that. That was delightful to me. <laughs> yeah. Perfect, really. <laughs> <laughs> Is there anything else we uh, want to bring up? We can go to our feedback section. Okay, is it time for feedback? All right. (laughs) Okay, so for our fall episode, we got a comment from Melissa, um, who is the boss applesauce on our forum. And uh, she said, My theory about Pete and Lewis is that Lewis is a manifestation of Pete, what he would look like if he grew up. Just trying to figure out what happened. I remember watching Ghost Whisperer years ago, and there were several episodes where Melinda had to deal with ghosts who were confused about how they died and whatnot. I feel this is a similar thing, except since there's no Ghost Whisperer to help walk him through what happened and get him to the other side, he had to literally investigate it for himself. I like to think that ghosts have the ability to build up the energy it would obviously take to manifest themselves into something the living could see. And I forget how long it's been since Pete's death, but it would probably be enough time to build up the needed energy. One of you commented why everyone could see him if he were a ghost or something. And that kind of reminded me of the season three episode, Grave Mistake, which I am actually on the fence about whether or not I like it. An old friend of the Phillips comes in and claims she's been haunted, but in the end, it's actually her husband trying to tell her she's dead. She didn't know she was dead and neither did anyone else. It still confuses me why everyone was able to see her. I mean, if she doesn't know she's dead, she probably doesn't uh, have enough energy, time to build up the energy it would take to physically manifest herself or whatever. But yeah. Yeah, you know, that is one of those season three episodes that I almost like, but still annoy the hell out of me. So. (laughs) That one annoys me because he's not, whenever he says you're dead, it's not really spooky. It's just like, wake up, you're dead. It's comedic. (laughs) It's comedic to me. Um, And then who did you say that was from? Um, Melissa. Melissa. Thank you for the feedback, Melissa. And we will get to season three in due time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, thank you. And this is from Travis on our Siren episode. They said, I had such fond memories of this episode, especially the song. I guess I get why other people might not like it, but it was always one of my favorites. I love the otherworldly quality to it, and especially with the magic ability she had to harmonize with herself. And the guitar accompaniment in the chorus is beautiful. 
which I'm pretty sure is just an acoustic guitar. Speaking of which, I remember being obsessed with the instrument she plays. In the episode, she calls it her lauto, which I'm pretty sure is a made-up word. After doing extensive research years ago, if my memory serves me correctly, what they use in this episode is called a rhubarb. Also, I'm pretty sure my love for this episode comes from the fact it features Jewel State, mm -hmm. who was one of my main characters of another one of my favorite shows from my childhood, Space Cases. Another show that was canceled way too soon. Loving the podcast. I'm so glad I'm finally getting caught up, but can't wait to hear you talk about Banshee, my personal fave. Space Cases. That's a show I haven't thought about in a long time. Surprise. I was expecting them to say Firefly. Yeah, that's where I thought they were going there, too. Well, I guess that means Jewel State's been on two separate space shows, hasn't she? Huh. It's cool that they did that research on the instrument. I didn't know it wasn't real. Yeah, that's a, you know, I was just thinking so weird fans are some of the most industrious fans I've ever seen because they do hunt that kind of information down. We're like fee. Yeah, <laughs> we, we are. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I'm not, but you guys are. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so thank you and thanks for keeping up and commenting a lot. And this is from Andrea, which I think that was the correct way. I don't remember anymore. <laughs> I thought she said we were saying it Andrea, and that was correct. Isn't that what she said? Yeah, I think it's Andrea. Okay, I'll try to remember. <laughs> Andrea, um, this is, she has two comments for Fall and Vampire. So this is for Fall. She said, thank you for opening my eyes to just how great this episode is. Like I mentioned before, I was mainly focused on the tension between Molly and Fee instead of Ned's childhood tragedy. I also thought the reporter was irritating because it seemed to me that he was badgering Ned and his friend about the loss of their friend, even though it was clear that they already tru truly felt terrible about what happened to Pete. It never occurred to me that the spirit slash reporter might actually be trying to help them come to terms with what happened and bring them some peace. The end of the episode makes so much more sense to me now than it did before I listened to this review. When you review Vampire, I'm curious to hear what you all have to say about the little details you may have picked up on. I like the continuity in the episode. Jack went to visit Gabe in fall, and then in Vampire, he calls her to tell her the news about joining the OSSN. And did you notice that on Fee's computer, her online name is Jack's Angel? Also, did you notice the other online names? Someone named Ryan has an address of oldmanr at tadrax.com, which makes me wonder if this person knows Tad Raxel. Maybe I'm forgetting about a minor character. And then at the end of the episode, Fee says she's uncertain as to why Gabe's angel necklace protected Jack. My theory is that because Gabe and Jack are so close and mean so much to each other, the angel looking out for Gabe back in season one was also protecting Jack for both of their sakes. One more thing I appreciate in the continuity is that Fee writes in her online diary about her mom, saying that she and Molly talked more about Rick and his investigations, but she also says that she feels like Molly doesn't tell her everything. So we know that sometime after Strange Geometry, Molly and Fee have had a chance to talk more in depth about Rick, but even though that's good and maybe even therapeutic for her, it still isn't entirely all right to her that Molly kept everything secret. Wow. <laughs> wow. You know, I, I gotta uh, say, I know I say this every time, but, you know, thank you so much for your constant support of the show, Andrea. You know, <laughs> we really appreciate it. Uh, 
I had some things to say, but there, there was a lot there. Um, oh, I think Ryan is, um, he was from Topa, right? No, Ryan Allman no, is. Ryan is from second generation. Oh, okay. Wow, no respect. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I like what she mentioned about the journal and V talking about uh, having the conversation with Molly. I think that actually supports the case that the uh, this production order on Wikipedia is accurate because V did talk with Molly about uh, Rick and Fall, or the um, episode that aired before Vampire, so or was before Vampire in the production order. So yeah. Yeah, and yeah. I I did ask John Cooksey about the order, and he mm -hmm. said as far as he, you know, for season one and two, um, that it's correct except for, I think it was Strange Geometry and Fountain or something like that was mixed up. Hmm. Mm -hmm. Well, all right. Well, I'm glad we got some confirmation on that because I know last time we were talking about whether what the source on that production order was. Mm -hmm. Okay, any other feedback? Uh, yeah, just um, her feedback for Vampire. She said, little bits of Vampire make me think of season three, too. Although we may not see Jack study very much in seasons one and two, we do see him studying in the episode Strangeling when he is trying to prepare to te for a test while Clue and Annie babysit. I look forward to the discussion of blues. I would say the topic of murder is a pretty serious one. So in retrospect, I am amazed that it made it onto the Disney Channel through the uh, So Weird series. I like how it gives us a chance to see Ned play some music along with Molly and Carrie. It's funny how not just Jack and Molly, but everybody denies Fiona's theory of channeling. And they all just think that the Last Night Blues lyrics are just a song they heard and forgot about. That would be quite a coincidence. It's such a bad theory, and I think they all know it. Although Fiona is not the best singer, I am glad the series gave um, Kara a chance to sing a few lyrics, too. I also like little bits of continuity in Blues. First, we hear from Papa Bear because he helps Fiona via internet while she solves the mystery of Addison Foster. Second, the show continues to remind us that Fee is not exactly an A student when Jack uh, jokes that maybe Fiona could try channeling Einstein to solve her algebra homework. And third, we hear Molly rehearsing new math again. And speaking of Molly, did you all notice that the sign in the beginning of the episode said that admission to her, uh, to hear her perform was only $10, if only in real life, right? <laughs> <laughs> this is random, but I want to say it anyway. When Fiona's blue CD flies at Mrs. Clemens and spells AF, it reminds me of when Fiona's spilled soda spells upstairs in Strange Geometry. It also reminds me of the moment in Seasons 3 Talking Board when the Ouija board IP spins out of control in Annie's room and takes off flying to the other end of the, her room. Well, I think uh, Andrea was channeling the future there because she brought up like three or four things we actually talked about on this episode. <laughs> <laughs> Um, and yeah, you know, that is the second time the show has had something fall on the ground and spell words out. They, boy, the writers leaned on that hard, didn't they? Yeah, that happens again in that Grave Mistake episode when it spells out you're dead or something like that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jeez. I didn't know they went back also, to that well so many times. About how this episode kind of gets away with murder. Specifically <laughs> say he was murdered because I thought it was just heavily implied. 
he's the guy carrying that big chest in, and he tells the little girl, young Mrs. Clemens, not to repeat what she saw to anybody. No, I think that Mrs. Clemens says later on she knew that he killed him, and that's why she broke ties with him. Yeah, I think dad. they. Yeah, I think they do use the murder word at some point. I think maybe Fiona oh, okay. says it to Molly when she finds out everything that's going on, and that's what makes uh, Mrs. Clemens like angry and want them to leave. But yeah, I mean that's a good point. Um, are there any more murders <laughs> in the So Weird universe? Well, Rick. Obviously, there's learn. talk about a lot of like you know dead parents, but specifically murders. Yeah, I don't think so. <laughs> Just Rick. Wow, wow. <laughs> All right. Any other? Anything else? Um. No, that's it. Okay. All right. Well. Wow. Uh, you know. Once again, thanks to everybody who comments and writes. Really appreciate it. Thank you all. Okay, so uh, anything else you want to bring up, or can we uh, put this one to bed? I think we're good. <laughs> yeah, I think so. <laughs> All right, well, in that case, this has been the So Weird Podcast. I'm Zach. I'm Kathy. I'm Emily. And I'm Kat. And please come back next time. Keep the faith. Eleanor, come and wipe my brow. Only you can soothe my fevered brow Your tender touch is all that comforts me now Eleanor the devil's near to my door Soon he'll be coming through that door When he gone I fear I'll be no more
devil take what's rightly mine And I will 